20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots, shots, shots! This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, streaming only on Hulu, Friday. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, Rod, it is the bye week for the 49ers. The football slate was pretty terrible today, too. I don't know how many people oh. who are, who, who are you know, 49er fans decided to sit there and watch some of these games. But in the background, I have... Uh, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Seahawks just took a 10-point lead, uh, and uh, the Cardinals are doing very Cardinal-like stuff with less than two minutes left in that game. So if, you, uh, you know, if you're hanging out with us, I'll, I'll keep you in the loop on that game and may- maybe switch back to that Rams-Bucks game. But holy cow, that was a bad one. Oh. Man. Um, so what we are going to do here today, since we don't have a game to recap and you know, that's kind of what we do on the show is we recap the game that had just happened is we're going to do a mid season review. We're going to look at the rest of the schedule and uh, our Facebook group didn't actually know I was priming them for content, but I asked some questions, what people thought the, Record would be at the end of the season and and also what they thought were the biggest surprises and the biggest disappointments of the season. So we'll use those answers to kind of drive our conversation here. So Facebook group members, thank you very much for the the content there. So let's start with the record. What is going to be the record for the Fort Niners at the end of the season? I have the schedule here, and we'll look at that here in a second. But currently, Niners are four and four. They uh, we've talked about two games that were just you know pretty just poor ways to lose, uh, including that opener against teams that the Fort Niners should beat. Uh, but four and four is actually kind of okay, I think. Uh, if you sort of look towards uh, how the NFL works these days with the wild card and with, you know, Seattle's clearly going to win this game. So they're going to go up to, they're going to move up to six and three. So they will be two and a half games ahead of the Niners at this point. So the Niners will have some, uh, some ground to gain because uh, I think the easiest step to the playoffs is, as we talked about last week is winning that division. But what was your guess? for the record at the end of the season. See, here's the thing for me. I said 10 and 7. Okay. So that means 6 and 3. But when I go and go game by game, I have a hard time finding three losses. Interesting. So, I mean, okay, well and we'll go we'll go game by game cuz I have the schedule and I'll pull it up. I think 10 and 7 is likely. I uh, I think that's that will get them into the into the tournament. Uh we had some people say 11 and 6 in in, in the uh, Facebook group. We also had uh one person I think say 9 and 8. And then if you go 9 and 8, it's getting a little murkier as far as making 
the playoffs here. So let's pull up the schedule and we'll, we can go through the rest of the games. And let's see if we can find the three losses here. So week 10 is against the Chargers and that game is at home. That game is on Sunday night. So that will be next uh, next weekend. And, and you and I will be back after that game. That is a winnable game for sure, especially because you're at home and the Chargers are so inconsistent. Um, the, you know, they're poorly coached, I guess. I, I would also say they seem to uh, they seem to have some winnable games that they that they don't take care of. Uh, they are currently, uh, as the standings are right now, they are five and three. So better record than the Niners, but they also have a minus twenty two net points so uh that that could be a little bit of a, of a paper tiger there but i'm assuming that is on your win yeah and i i that was my morning game today i i sat through that nonsense um <laughs> and they they we match up well against them um we can you can run the ball they will allow you to if you can if we can stop just not turn the ball over or have penalties they're there to be had in terms of sustained drives and running the ball all the things that we do well they seem to do poorly so i i just i just think that is a winnable game for sure and they beat the falcons who beat us by three points yeah yeah that's true but still <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta just isn't very good. Um, and Mariota played okay, but you know they they're just kind of three yards in a cloud of dust, and they don't really you know they've got Drake London and Pitts who look like they're good players, but they just don't seem like they want to throw them the ball. <laughs> yeah, and and they got Patterson back today. He he's been yeah, on IR he, for yeah. a few for a few weeks there. He looked really good. Boy, he's a big dude. <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, I think that's a win. All right, and then the next game is the one that you'll be going to, and I think we're, we're to the point where Niners swept the Rams. They have one win against Seattle, and in order for this to happen, to where they have a shot here, I think they got to sweep the Cardinals as well. So this game is in Mexico City, technically a road game for the Niners, but also a road game for the Cardinals. I would imagine there's going to be more Niner fans in, in that stadium, but I don't know for sure, but that is a game where they're they're They should, if we're looking at sort of statement wins, uh, beating a struggling cards team should be part of that and, and beating them decisively. Uh, the Cardinals, as, as we're talking about, they're losing to Seattle. They just lost that game. So they drop, to uh three and six and uh yeah their their uh their net points is is in the in the minus 30 so that should be uh, another one on your win list yes yeah and they just seem like a mess um i i was listening to the game or watching the game and they were talking about how they're they've got three replacement offensive linemen kyler seems to be cussing everybody out every <laughs> three plays and um, they just – I don't know how long Kingsbury can continue there. I just I, – I think that, um, again, it, this is one of those layups that, um, you know, but 
we missed several layups earlier this year. So um, that is, that's always a concern, but I think that's another team that we should handle pretty easily. And, and uh, I just turned it to Rams bucks. Not that, you know, the, the, the Rams don't look great here, but you know, talk about a, a, a quarterback who is frustrated. Uh, Rams are up seven. No, they're up four. And Tom Brady in the end zone has a surefire touchdown pass. I, I couldn't tell who the receiver was, but he hits the receiver literally in the face mask and <laughs> the ball, balls dropped. And then on uh, third and goal, he's got another shot and uh good, good defensive play by, by, by the Rams, but still should have been caught by who I think it was the tight end. So Brady's going to be frustrated. Uh, okay. So, after He's got that, 51 pass attempts already. My God. And they got nine points. Oh. Uh, and, and so then week 12, this game to me, a uh, little bit harder, um, but it is at home. The Saints have been playing some interesting football. Uh, they are not, uh, they are uh, uh, record-wise, not great in, in record-wise, but all of their games have been really close. They've been playing some close football. Uh, and, and so record wise, you would think, OK, Niners should win that game. But I think that one is a, a sneaky sort of, uh, you know, maybe one of those games that, that earlier in the season we talked about where they they probably should have won and, and maybe didn't. But uh, I don't know. I think they're a better football team than the Saints. But that's one where the Saints seem to be able to stick around these games. Yeah. Um. Where is that? Is that a road game? That is at home. OK, well, yeah. Um. They they're frisky, so that that's one that um, you know, coming off that game in Mexico City, it's I mean it's a Monday night, so it's a short week. Um, that could be, that could be, that could be one, that could be one. Uh, the the they should have uh, Alex Smith and Joe Staley at that game. Yeah, definitely. That would yeah, be fun. <laughs> All right, so after that. Niners have, We're gonna have Jimmy's going to run an end around. <laughs> there you go. Uh, another another game that is probably going to be pretty tough. The Dolphins at home week 13. Mike McDaniel, the return. Uh, and the Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins are playing good football. They're they're not. They may be a little bit uh, of a paper tiger when it comes to. How good they are, because you know they they give up a lot of points and and they're yeah. eking out some of these games. But they are six mm-hmm. and three. That could be a little bit of a, you know, let let's see how how true what what kind of team they are from from truth. And hey, look, the 49ers don't want to lose to the Dolphins. They want to have the, you know, their pick to be the worst pick possible for the for the Dolphins because you know the <laughs> Dolphins have all these picks. Uh, is that the one that they traded for Chubb? Did they trade the Niners pick? Um. Yes. So now that's the Broncos pick. Yeah. So, uh, but good game. You, you know, McDaniel's going to be up for it, but same with Kyle, right? Like there could be a nice little uh, who knows who best there with, with uh, the schemes and such. Kyle seems to do well against his former assistants, Ask McVay and LaFleur. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then week 14 against this really – uh, frustrating Bucks team, and and they're about to lose this game uh, to the Rams here. Uh, Niners should win that game. Tom Brady homecoming back to the Bay Area. 
but I'm calling that one like that one's got to be a win for for the Niners there because the the Bucks are just really bad right now. You know, will the Bucks still even be? Um, will they have thrown in the towel by then? That's um, where where are they now? Since with this loss, they are they'll be three and six, right? Ooh. Three and six. Yeah, that um. That's rough. That that might be, you know, with all that's going on and swirling around there, that might be a, a team that is um has has kind of mailed it in by then. You know, we we can't count on that, but um, yeah, I think that should be a win as well. Maybe uh, maybe Jed will get get a box for Giselle. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and then the, like the big game that you sort of circle on the schedule is week 15 at Seattle, historically a hard place for the Niners to play, and that is on Thursday night. So there's your Amazon Prime game if you are outside of the Bay Area. Uh Thursday night against the Hawks and you know the Hawks just won another game. Um they are a much better team than anybody could have possibly predicted them to be. Pete Carroll, his rah-rah stuff is is working terrifically there, six and three. And uh, you know, the net the net the, the net uh, points is not as good as the as the Niners are, but mm-hmm. still six and three, you're out in the lead, and it's really your division to lose at this point. Well, I mean, I'll have to I'll take the L on this one because I thought they were gonna be you know, in the mix for a top three draft pick. And clearly, I mean, we're halfway through now and they're, I guess they're not going to go away. So, I mean, for what is, you know, but I've, I've watched them several times and I, I have, I still don't walk away like super impressed, but I mean, they win. Gino's playing well. Kenneth Walker Kenneth looks Walker. like. He's for real. And then those receivers are legit. Metcalf and Lockett are legitimate top of the league type receivers. So, I mean, they don't look like they're going away. So you're right. Um, We're going to have to deal with them. And then last three games, uh, two home games and a road game. Uh, against the commanders who I think are probably a a little bit better than, than people thought they are. Uh, record-wise, they're they're only uh, four and five, uh, but you know they've they've been playing a, l- a little closer than I think some of these uh, teams thought that that they, that they would play. But still, that has to be a W for the 49ers if they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna do what we think they're that they're gonna do mm-hmm. at the Raiders. The Raiders, the poor Raiders fans. Well, that's gonna be in, a home game. I'm tell you that right now. They're not really? in Oak. They're not in Oakland anymore. So I'm not. As, I don't feel as bad. But you know, there are still longtime mm-hmm. Raiders fans who aren't going to give up on them. But two and six, man. Yeah. Who yeah. like again? The you know the net points, which is what I like to to use to really see if the team's good or bad. They're in these close games, but man, did they just lose to Jacksonville today? Yeah, that's yeah. tough. And then the last game of the season at home against the Cardinals. And again, uh, if the Niners are who we think they are, they got to beat up on a, on a team like the Cardinals. So see, we came up with like one loss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, just to, just to go back to this, I, I think the tough games. Now we'll see what, what kind of Niners team comes out against the Chargers. Cause the Chargers are not 
a bad team. The Chargers are a an a, a decent team who probably should even be a little bit better than they are. The 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 Saints game scares me. The Dolphins game scares me. The Seahawks game scares me. So that's three that scare me. The others are, are kind of gimmies at this point, though. And, and it really goes back to, you know, the, the consistency of their play, which we're going to get into because uh, when we go through the disappointments and, and everything that like the, the lack of consistency game to game from them has been a little frustrating to watch, like how they could not get up uh, for certain games uh, and, and then just be like killing the Rams and then not not being able to, you know, to play strong football against some other teams. So uh, let's talk about the. Let's go biggest point, biggest disappointment so far. And so I asked this question to our group and su- not surprisingly in any way. I think the biggest disappointment of the season is the fact that Trey Lance has not been able to get on the field. He's not been able to uh, take advantage of um, a, a lost year of development, right? As QB1, they turn the team over to him. There's going to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, uh, the, the offense is, is looked at to be a little bit more dynamic the run pass, the making you know the defense watch for uh, another player, all of that stuff that we were so much looking forward to uh, didn't happen. But I think even more importantly, uh, this young guy has now missed essentially two seasons of football, and you know it's kind of <laughs> it's funny because we're both Warriors fans. It's like this James Wiseman thing. Yep. Absolutely. And you're just like, man, you know, how do you get the reps and how do you get ready? You're going to be a third, third season guy and really only have the reps uh, of a rookie. And so that's something to worry about for, for Lance. But as far as disappointment is concerned, you know, this got to be number one, right? Well, shout out to Robert Ramos, who was the first person in the group to mention Trey, because I had, um, I guess I had a mental block because I had completely. <laughs> I mean, it was I, the first week, like the first half of yeah. this, you know, but, um, I was, game of the season or whatever. I was like, I I had straight PST, PST, PTSD <laughs> over that. So I had completely forgotten that one. So when he mentioned that, so obviously that is number one. And then I guess disappointment. Um, as I was thinking about that, when you put it in the group, I guess it, when you talk about expectations, yeah. Um, I guess for me, it would be Kinlaw because, you know, we had been told that this is the healthiest that he yes. had been. And, you know, I have been saying all along that what people, what's not talked about enough is how poor medical treatment and strength and conditioning is at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. So I'm not shocked at all when a player comes in and ha- you know, comes in with a checkered um, medical pass because it, there's no telling it varies so greatly down there as to what kind of um, care um, and development they're getting. So once you get them into a pro situation with good medical and everything, 
that's when you can tell. And so now this season, this off season, he was supposed to be the healthiest ever. So yep. now it's like what we got, you know, five, six hundred snaps, seven, five, six, seven hundred snaps at least. And then we can start talking about what we've got. And we haven't got it. Um, so that is disappointing. But, you know, it's it's funny I was talking to somebody else this week about the same thing. And it's funny how perception drives the narrative in that, you know, there's a lot of disappointment with um, Ken Law. And I guess rightfully yeah. so, because he hasn't been out there. It's also because of who he replaced, right? That's true. That's true. Which, I mean, is fair or not, that's, you know, that's not his fault. No. But... Um, you know, that that's part of it. But, you know, he seems to to get a lot of negative flack in amongst the fan base due to his missed time that like, for example, um, Elijah Mitchell, for example. Yeah. Um, Elijah Mitchell has missed 48 percent of the edge of his eligible games. And Ken Law is at 51. But the perception between the two amongst the fan base is completely different. Yes. I I rarely hear anybody giving Elijah Mitchell any stuff about his his missed games. But Ken Law is like he's a bust because of the missed games. I, you know, again, I'm not. You know, I, I'm not one to label people, but I, 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 it frustrates me that people are so quick to want to label these people anything. I mean, yeah. let's just let it play out. Let's see. Maybe, maybe he is. I, I, I don't know. I know he's talented. Yep. I know he hasn't been on the field. Those two things are true. I'd like to get a good stretch of games of him being out there for us to know for sure if he, what he is. So, but he definitely qualifies for me as most disappointing. Then you got Danny Gray is on the list as well. But, you know, we, if you look back to like IU, we could see a pattern with Kyle and his receivers. <laughs> his receivers. So, so, I, I, so like I say, that's why I say expectations drive the narrative. Because I don't know how much we really thought Danny Gray was going to see the field this, you know, as a rookie. Um, knowing that, you know, as Ayuk, you've heard Ayuk and Debo and Jennings all say that if you don't have your assignments on point and if you're not blocking, you're not going to see the field and you're not going to see the ball. Um, so I don't know how much you can expect from a rookie receiver in this system. Yeah. Just, uh, Shelvin, uh, posted in in a comment here that Brady just beat the Rams and I was, I kind of had the game on. In, in in the side of uh in the corner and i saw the rams open up they ran a little i think they ran a little jet sweep with cup and then he slid and then i don't know what happened after that because you and i were talking and all of a sudden i saw brady had the ball in the red zone and he threw a pass that uh rams got called for pi and then he he just won the he just threw a touchdown pass (laughs) it's amazing there's no i in team but there is one in indeed and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours when you're hiring you need indeed instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, okay. So here's the Danny Gray thing for me. And he is on this list, uh, that, that, that we have here for, for, uh, disappointments. Um, the, the, the way that we have been sold as fans is that Kyle is, is looking for, opportunities to put guys in 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 places and be creative and and so you would think like okay danny gray is fast as all hell how about let's just go ronaldo nehemiah with him and let's just run him deep a couple of times even if the idea is not to throw the football to him just to give the defense the the thought that okay like we got to pay attention to this guy and then you know, and then you know, maybe maybe Jimmy does does throw one to to draw the the defense a little bit. But you know, the other the thing about it is, I just think that other teams don't see Jimmy as that guy. Mm-mm. So maybe maybe that doesn't even work on that end. But could you get him for a jet sweep? Could you get him on a wide receiver screen? Stuff like that, where you know you would think, wow, you know, Kyle can can be so creative and he can get these guys out in spaces and, and make plays. But at the same time, he doesn't trust these guys to perform at the level he expects them to uh, when they're in the game. And it seems like that stems from practice, right? It seems like mm-hmm. if he doesn't believe you had a good week of practice or that you're picking things up enough, he's just flat out not even going to let you. Like, that's a message to him, which it kind of hurts the team in a sense, but that's the way he coaches and mm-hmm. you know, he's not letting these guys get away with uh, practice or whatever, you know, they have these, all the technology and what was the thing about Ayuk prior to uh, last season was he wasn't running his routes hard enough in practice. And they could tell because they have the, the, the miles per hour on him. And so it's stuff like that. But as a fan, you're like, I don't care about that. I just want to see this guy. Run. Like we've been sold on the idea that this is the fastest guy on the team we and we can't see that, so that's kind of a little bit of disconnect between the fan and the actual team being coached on the field. I think the Trey injury helped hurt him and Ray Ray McLeod a lot in terms of what that I, I know for a fact from based on what we saw in camp with those guys and Trey. Um, 
they, you know, it, they, they got a lot of action deep and, um, you know, it seemed like, you know, if there was one thing that Trey really was comfortable doing is that is throwing the ball deep to those guys. And those guys were the ones who were out there going and getting it. And I can imagine that when he gets hurt, Kyle just kind of balls all that up and throw, <laughs> throws it in the trash and, uh, or files it to the back of his folder for next year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I, I think that, um, I think you're right. I think you're, you're 100% right. These of these next two are really interesting to me. Okay. So, but even before that, there's, there's defensive line depth because of the injuries. Now mm-hmm. that that's a tough one because you know, the, the depth is, I don't, I don't know if the defensive line has really been the problem. Mm-mm. With this team, uh, especially if you're putting in, you know, third and fourth and fifth guys, I think that they've held up. There's been a couple of games where the Niners offense hasn't played well enough to win. And, and you know, we sort of expected the defense to, to take over and, and it didn't happen. Uh, and one of the games that you you keep mentioning is that Falcons game where they had like seven starters missing. Right. And and that that I can see that being uh, pointing to that. But the next two that you're talking about. Poor special teams play and a general uh, lack of consistency. Uh, I actually wrote this uh, uh, twice on accident. Special teams play, especially after overhauling the unit. So from the special teams perspective, this one is interesting because uh, Big Money Mitch is having a really good season. He really is. Uh, Robbie Gold has, has missed. You know, he's 10 of 13. He's He's been fine. I think where this this kind of points to is uh, I'm guessing Ray Ray in kick returns, I think because punt returns, he's been, he's been pretty decent as well. And it's really just been kick returns and then giving up kick returns uh, on the other side. I guess that's where that, that comes from. But this, I think this is still a much better special teams unit than last year. Yes. I I think so too. Um, The, Again, I I never want to be like the the apologist um, for the team, but you know I think the lack of consistency I, you have to point to injuries to you know I mean that's got to be part of it, and you and then you, it kind of goes along part and parcel with what we were talking about with the defensive line depth. Is that you know they it is a deep unit, but when you start asking those depth pieces to play, you know roles that aren't that are outside of what you know that you you know you're not supposed. To, I mean, Ridgeway is not supposed to be playing seventy snaps. Mm-hmm. You know that, and if when when you get those guys, when you got Spence playing a lot of snaps. That's, that's just not what they're there for. They're supposed to be there to, to you know, to blow guys. To, to not. Sorry about that. That sound. That's, that, didn't, <laughs> that didn't come out the way it, that didn't come out the way it was supposed to, to give guys a rest. Yes. Not to be playing a lot of snaps. So when yes. you, you know, I, and that goes back to, I think once Armstead comes back, things will be a lot better if he is anywhere near, um, his peak um that that has been a big and, and in Kinslaw too to a to to a lesser extent i because 
I think, you know, I had high expectations for him this yeah. season. Um, I really expected him to come in and fill that DJ Jones role. And um, he hasn't been obviously anywhere near that. And so that's a problem. But um, yeah, that the lack of consistency, I think you can go part and parcel. Tr- um, Trent has been in and out of the lineup. We miss Nick for a couple games. We miss Debo for a couple games. I mean, it's just, it, it's hard to, um, and then you got the whole thing with the right guard where you got those guys going in and out. It, it would be nice if we could just get a solid unit together for two or three games and kind of see where um, where that leaves us. And, and maybe that's, at, you know, maybe that's Pollyannish and, you know, that's the NFL that, you know, attrition is part of it and injuries are part of it. And you just have to, you have to deal with that. And you, there's an expectation of being consistent in spite of that. You know, it's funny just about this current NFL. Like it is, uh, there's going to be studies, I think on kind of how the NFL works today. Uh, you look at Rogers, like, that guy has aged five years since last year. They're two and six. And the two top teams, Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings, eight, no, and seven and one. The Bills lost to the Jets today. Robert Sala and his crew. Um, the the Chiefs are, are five and two. The, they play the, the Sunday night game. But it, it's just... They're the teams, the good teams are going to be good, but it just feels like the way that the league works and the way that the rules work, they very much so. And maybe this is what Paul Tagliabue wanted back in the day, but parody everyone's eight and eight, right? Like, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, or at least the oh. value of what an eight and eight team is like. So, and you, know, you, that- you into to further your point about the top two teams, the Vikings, the commanders gave them everything they wanted today. Yeah, um, they it, uh, it was it was like a a last second field goal to win that game. Um, so I it that just furthers your point that it's you know the the margins the margin for error is so you get blowouts like the you know the Bengals and the um Panthers today but pretty much man every game halfway through the fourth quarter is a one score game mm-hmm. um so yeah that's just it's just part of it i don't there even the best teams um can get can be got you know, as they say on any given Sunday, the, the Bills just look like world beaters. Yeah, and and, and you know, two, they're they're six and two. They're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But still, like you, you, there's there's the runaway team is is the Eagles, and some of that has to do with they just have a really really light schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, all right, so deal. so the last one here, this one is, is an interesting one. Uh, Debo, not really getting the, you know, the, the, a lot of the plays that he has in the backfield, they seem to be very well scouted (laughs) like this. This man is, does not have any room to breathe. It's almost like the other team knows that he's getting the ball, which they kind of knew it last year too. And they couldn't stop it. You know, you line this dude up in the backfield balls, probably coming to him. And it was so dynamic last year and this year he has rarely had any luck 
with, with any room to run uh, in those positions. But, you know, I, I, I would kind of push back on that, that that was re- a relatively late in the season situation where the offense, you know, basically we ran it through Debo, you know, from, you know, for the last five games, basically is when he put us on his back and just, and carried us to the conference championship. And this, it was different this season. It seemed like we came in with the thought that the whole thing was going to run through Debo. And um, it, it, like you say, it was, it was being well scouted. And I think that he's probably going to end up being the biggest beneficiary of the CMC trade. Yes. Is the fact that it is the fact that, you know, now you're not going to be able, I'm not to say that the offense shouldn't be still centered around him. I'm not saying that at all, but what I am saying is that defenses won't be able to just key on him to stop him because, you know, you've got another, um, viable, um, one one a one one a and then it just that just having those two just and then Mitchell back and then it seems like the emergence of Ayuk and then you're just gonna you still got Kittle kind of is still a guy mm-hmm. that you can build a game plan around and then it's this team there are just so many weapons and I, I that that's the reason why I'm just I'm really excited about the second half of the season and that if we can just get the O-line to be just stable, I mean, they don't have to be world beaters. If they Mm -hmm. can just going back and looking at it, you know, numerically they really haven't played awful. Burford has some real up and down performances and we've had when you go back and look at it game by game we've had some real unfortunate penalties at really un you know inopportune times that set us back and that you know it's death for us you know you know second in 15 is it's just death i mean we we have to you know if we look forward to what we have to look forward to going forward moving forward is we have to eliminate those penalties, um, especially the big ones, you know, 15 yarders and whatnot, because we just, we aren't built to overcome those. Um, So again, I'm just, I'm really excited as we move forward. If we could just get some consistency there on that offensive line, because we have so many weapons and the penalties are probably a little bit down because Greenlaw hasn't been playing. I'm just yeah, kidding. that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, all right, so let's talk about the surprises of the season so far. And I get, I mean, the first one's got to be trading for a game breaker like McCaffrey. Now, all of the people who study this stuff. They don't really think this is a strong trade for the 49ers because of what they gave up and the fact that Christian is uh, oft injured, but also that Shanahan can kind of turn, you know, the, these these backs who aren't very uh, highly thought of in college and, you know, turn them into to big players. Um, 
Mostert in is in Miami. Uh, and who who's the guy before Mostert? The speed guy. Um, Brita, Brita, the cheetah, and you know you have guys like that who are not high draft picks, uh, and putting them in the system and having them learn the system, they excelled. Now, with Christian, they this this position at running back should now be on steroids because of how how good of a player he is and out of the backfield how good of a player he is because that is what we have not had uh in, in recent memory is just that that back out of the backfield to uh to to make plays and to be the bailout for Jimmy. So, in that standpoint for at least for this year and who knows what the money is going to be like next year I let you know Parag deal with the cap. I don't understand any of it. So, what do you think about the prognosticators who say, you know, this is really an A trade for Carolina, but more like a C trade for the 49ers? I I have definite feelings about that. One, I don't think that your ability to find and develop um undervalued players should limit should, should stop you from acquiring stud players if you can. I, I I just think that if 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 a player like Christian McCaffrey becomes available, you should do what you can to go get him and not worry about well, I have the ability to draft seven seventh rounders and have them be, you know good players that that you you get a Christian McCaffrey if you can um and then I often mention what Brian Windhorst says if that if Christian McCaffrey if we win a Super Bowl because of Christian McCaffrey it, then it doesn't matter what we gave up to get him it's a good trade um because you know is like, Anthony Davis going to the Lakers all over again yeah I mean you just you you do that and then you talk about with the Rams and what they're dealing with now and their lack of depth well they got a championship so yeah f them picks for yeah, if, <laughs> if, if, you know if you know what what you don't want is to mortgage the future and then come up empty but if if you get a trophy then if we get six behind this then that's fine I'm good yes. I'm good with plus um I, I think you really do have to put his injury I, I that it, it it makes a difference to me that he was touching the ball he had 52 percent of Carolina's touches I, I don't think that that is for nothing when you start talking about his injury history I mean I I, I don't think you look at the guys who have that kind of usage like a Derrick Henry, him, you, you just, it's hard to hold up. And he's not even built like Derrick Henry. He's a, he's a completely different type of player. So to give him that type of usage, him breaking down is not a, a shock or a surprise to me. And I don't think he'll be used that way here. I know he's 26 and that's, you know, that's up there for running back at the end of this contract. He'll be 29. How many 29 year old running backs, but the thing of it is, in this system, it, it's not like he's it's just going to be lining up in an I formation 
and running dives. I mean, you can slot, put him out in the slot. You can flex him out. He's going to be, he's not going to have the normal usage of a normal RB1. I don't think, especially when you have, when you talk about the ability for us to develop these other younger running backs allows you the opportunity to use Christian McCaffrey more as a football player and not as your bell cow. So I'm, I'm good with it. I, I, I think, especially for this season and with the quarterback we have, I think his skills that um, helps Jimmy a lot. I, you can, you've seen in the past two games, having him there in a position to be Jimmy's safety valve is something that, um, it, you know, it, it's not lost on me that Jimmy, this, you know, he's had two of his better performances, you know, as a 49er in these past two weeks. And I, I don't think that the, 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 those things are, there's, I don't believe that there's not a correlation, and I don't think that it's anything that happened, especially last week, is unsustainable. I think, I think moving forward, I'm not. Am I expecting Jimmy to be that efficient for the rest of the season? No, but I think we can get some version of that every week. All right, you had uh, on on your list of surprises uh, the play of one uh, Sammy Womack Jr. here. Wow. Explain. Yeah, I mean, I had done a study last year on draft picks, defensive backs specifically, because we had our second-round pick, and everybody wanted a corner. So I looked into how many – Defensive backs, I've broadened it. You know, play, my metric was 400 snaps and above a 60 um, PFF grade. And it was like 3%. It just doesn't happen for a defensive back to come in and contribute immediately in the NFL. And this dude is playing at a 70 grade. And playing, he's playing starter snaps. It, it's just, it's unheard of for a fifth round defensive back to do that. And it, it's just, and, and with, with E-Man going out, it's needed. We, it's not like this was a luxury. We really have needed Womack to come. We, we needed his production. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, I was trying to think of a of a Bobby Womack pun, but I couldn't forget it by the time you were finished. Uh, okay, so another one, Aaron Banks specifically, and the pass pro of the interior offensive line as a big surprise. And and this is something that you are watching very closely. You send us the grades in our in our mm-hmm. group pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he had I, I I don't have him in front of me, but I don't think he's given up a pressure this season. Which is, you know, again, that was, you know, right at the top of my list in terms of things coming into the season. Quest, big question mark is, you know, he was basically a rookie along with Burford. He didn't play, he didn't play any snaps last year. So, yeah, for him to be um, as stout as he is, particularly um, in pass protection, 
has been a revelation because those guys, you know, when you look at them and you watch them, both him and Burford, um, and they are monsters in the run game. <laughs> when they get moved, they're just big dudes. And when they get to moving forward, they can just destroy guys. But, you know, they, you know, pass protection for us, you know, throughout camp, and early in the season was a problem. We were we were just getting our ass kicked um, all through. You know, our defensive line was killing our offensive line um, in the pre. You know, in camp, and he was you know right there. You know, it wasn't like he was like the Sterling. You know, Trent was, but Trent wasn't really even out there <laughs> in the um, in camp. But you know, so he was getting his ass kicked along with everybody else. So for him to show up um, the way he has, has really been a revelation. Uh, okay. So then we also have uh Hufanga, which especially in the, in, in the early part of the season, oh, he was making s- some big plays and he's always around the football. And, you know, for somebody who his the, the one thing, about him out of college was about the speed. He just is a nose for the ball. He knows where, where things are going. Uh, he may not make every play, but the fact that he's around the football, you know, means that he, he's getting there before everybody else. And, and that's, that's positive. And, and he was supposed to be a liability in pass coverage. He was supposed to be somebody that defenses were going to isolate and try to get him, one-on-one with their slots and, you know, to try to pick on. But that, you know, eight games in, that has not been the case. He is not – I mean, now, I'm not saying, you know, he's not whoever – you know, he's not Rob Woodson covering guys. But, you know, he has not – he hasn't been a liability. Um, and when you couple that with the fact that he's, you know – He's, you know, uh, he's even playing that way. And then when you add to the fact that he's definitely a plus, plus, plus when you can get him playing forward and um, he's an excellent blitzer, um, he just he will blow up a run blitz. Um, if you if you allow him running the alley is one of the coolest things in professional football to me <laughs> It's when he gets ahead of steam and he is just coming downhill, something is getting destroyed. So I mean, him, yeah. him and Warner like oh, on yeah. the same field together is, is really fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. So definitely he, and, and that for to him be playing at that level definitely is one of the biggest surprises. Of the season, and then the last one I added this just because we've been talking about this. And when when you draft a wide receiver, again, this goes back to Shanahan's rep, right? Like Shanahan's rep w- w- with offense, and oh, you know, he 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 saw something in Ayuk. Uh, you know, I think they 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 may have drafted him uh, a, a hair above where other teams had him, and so you're like, okay, this is Kyle's guy, and Ayuk has shown really good glimpses at times. And then other times, you know, he's got two catches for 15 yards and, and it's all Debo with Debo, not really being Debo yet. Ayuk has actually stepped up and he's got really good rhythm with Jimmy. 
they're connecting on, on third downs. You know, we mentioned the last game, the game against the Rams, where they were so in rhythm that he was putting it on Ayuk's hip, and Ayuk was just running without even uh, skipping a beat. He's just everything's in stride, and that's not you know, you wouldn't say that's something that Jimmy does with a lot of receivers, right? That's not Jimmy's game. Uh, you know, that's more of like a, a, a Brady thing or, or whatever. But the the fact that those guys seem so comfortable with each other this year it is really, really cool to see finally, because I think we all saw sort of like, okay, when is Ayuk going to level up? And it seems like this season he's, he's doing that. He is. I mean, for our offense, you know, because it's going to be tough to put up Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type numbers in this offense because that's, you know, we've all said if we're throwing it 30, 40 times a game, there's something that's gone terribly wrong. But in our offense, man, he has really stepped up and he is legit 1A. I, th- I think at this point, I feel comfortable saying that, that I'm obviously Debo. I believe even with CMC, Debo is still our best offensive player, but I think that Ayuk is more than a wide receiver too, at this point. I I don't know how you want to categorize it, but I, I think that he is clearly a plus player in this offense. He he is developed to that point and you know, he's making himself some money this um this season. He he's going to get paid, I think. He's going to get paid in the offseason. He he has really stepped up. So the Niners are running about 60 plays a game and uh 200 and 12 so that we divide that by eight uh 26 and a half of those are uh are running running plays it looks like so you know the the fact that they jimmy has actually pretty good stats but he's also only thrown you know 210 times or 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 whatever it is uh Mm -hmm. versus some of these other guys throw so much more than he does so yeah that's just based on what the offense does and and how they, uh, you know, how Shanahan wants to win football games, or at least how he believes his team should win football games, which is, you know, run first. And mm-hmm. n- here's a question. We mentioned Mitchell. We've been waiting for Mitchell. You know, he, he started the season out, and we're like, oh, my gosh, this guy. I think it's like 70 yards, mm-hmm. um, like 10 carries in the first game. And then, he got, and then we never, never saw him again. He got hurt. How how do do you think knowing that he came into the season, knowing that he was a one gets hurt, steps back. Now he's playing behind a a top flight player. Do you think he's going to have any adjustment with that? I mean, they played he played. uh, He he didn't get all the snaps last year until sort of towards the end. So he's not it's not like he's came in as a starter, but do you think that affects the way that, that he's going to play having to play second fiddle to, to CMC? Well, one would hope that rather than take it as a negative, it, um, 
spurs him to when he, you know, to make the most of his touches. And also, I was very intrigued by, you know, they ran quite a few um, snaps with Wilson and CMC in the backfield together. So that is something that would be interesting to see with um, with him and Mitchell. And with the, the, the flexibility and the versatility that somebody like CMC gives you, it allows you to still allow Mitchell to get RB1 snaps and have Mitchell, I mean, and have CMC kind of be fullback or slot or, you know, just, just football player. Just let him get out there and just, you know, put him in position to make plays. And that, you know, say what you want about Kyle. That's something he's always done well. Mm -hmm. He did it well when Kittle was our best offensive option. He wasn't confined to being, you know, I'd never seen a tight end line. I don't, the league really hadn't seen a tight end lineup as much as, as X as um, Kittle did in 19. Um, Debo last year and what, you know, obviously that was kind of unprecedented, a, a wide receiver one getting those kind of snaps out of the backfield. So Kyle has a track record of putting guys in position to make plays. So I'm just, I, I'm really excited to see how he's able to, you know, get all these guys touches because it's not wrong to think that it, it wouldn't be the first team that has had problems in, in many sports where there's just not enough balls for every, if everybody's not touching the ball, they don't, you know, have for everybody. Everybody's not unselfish because, you know, there is a monetary component to that. If I'm not getting touches, you know, that affects my money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially for a running back who often these guys don't even really get second deals. Right. Um, so, you know, here, here's, what, here's what I like about it, though. CMC, uh, he's already shown an inability to be patient, and, and we know that, you know, in this offense, a, a guy like Trey Sermon who uh, danced a little bit and, and was mm-hmm. impatient was not good in this system. And so CMC's already shown, okay, the, the game against the Rams, he, he was really good. Uh, I like the idea that when we take him off the field, you're not really going to miss a beat in the run game. You'll, you'll miss a beat a little bit in, in the pass game uh, on a play where Mitchell is in instead of Christian, but that's probably not going to be a lot. But when it comes to the patience and, and understanding the, the, the running game, like Mitchell was already... Uh, a savant at it near the end of last season. And then we saw this season, like he's, he came out of the gate on fire and then he just got hurt. So you won't really have uh, any degradation in your sec in your number two uh, when it comes to the running game. So that will be kind of exciting to see because that deep, that whoever's playing, you know, if the running game is on point, the defense who they're playing against is not going to be able to just be like, okay, thank God Christian's out of the game. No, you get someone who's who's going to hit the hole just as hard as as he does, and, and I think that could be pretty cool. And and I I imagine Kyle is salivating at, at that. You, you're not really take like as good as Jeff Wilson was. He didn't he didn't necessarily have the explosiveness of both of these guys. He was more like your normal number two uh-huh. tough runner. You trusted him. 
maybe the fumbles Kyle didn't like as much, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, but the, the, this is just a different, a different element. And I think he's going to, he's going to be pretty excited to see what they got. And Elijah, Elijah Mitchell is clearly better than Jeff Wilson. Yes. And also maybe we just get more uh, Elijah Mitchell running back one snaps and we just put Christian at quarterback. <laughs> How about exactly. that? There you go. That'll be give, funny. Give Jimmy some rest. I mean, they could run like <laughs> wildcat stuff with Christian at the uh, at the quarterback. So, he, so let that was a great pass. Yeah, exactly. Let's end with this because Jeff, that was the news of the week. Jeff Wilson did did get traded, and Shelvin uh, asked if we saw that Jeff Wilson supposedly uh, requested a trade. And uh, I think this comes from John Lynch's interview with Tim Kawakami, I believe. I, I haven't heard the the podcast yet, but I know oh Tim Kawakami interviewed him. And it sounds like Jeff Wilson knew the deal, right? When 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 you trade for Christian, okay, now I'm third team rather than mm-hmm. even second team. Uh, and you know, he he had pushed ahead of these younger players like Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason. But then with Elijah Mitchell coming back, like you said, he's going to be, you get less snaps, contract coming up. He sort of saw the 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 writing on the wall there. And it sounds like Lynch and Shanahan both really like him. And we're like, look, mm-hmm. man, we want you to, to play. You know, we're not going to trade you to our, 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 our rival in the NFC, but... Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 do want you to be happy, and we want you to have a a, a good opportunity. And so they traded him to to the Dolphins. Of course, they've they've got some friends over in that organization, so that probably helped it. But what did you what did you think of that whole thing? Well, I mean, it makes sense. You know, like I I said before that um it was clear to me that um you know with for those who aren't in the group or didn't see my post um with the Mitchell coming back it has been clear that from the beginning they had intel that um TDP and JP were sought after in the league and that there was no way they'd be able to sneak them through waivers and get them onto the practice squad so that's why they've been RB three and four throughout and you know they they cycled in Mac and um I'm ready and whatnot, <laughs> you know, into filling in for Mitchell. But then once Mitchell came back, he would slide into RB2 with CMC being here. And that there just simply wasn't, if you look at the roster, they've consistently kept four. And we really, with all of our other myriad of injuries, there really isn't another position that you could shorten up to keep Wilson as insurance. So, plus, I'm sure he wouldn't have been thrilled with the fact of just being on mothballs yeah. for the last, you know, nine games of the season in a contract year. So, and not to say that they wouldn't have done that if they had the roster spot, if they felt that that was in their best interest, because teams always are going to do what's in their best interest. But if they can get a draft pick, which serves them and they can put him in a position, you know, and with over there in Miami with Edmonds going, he scored today, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. He played well today. Um, And with Edmonds going out in that, in the Chubb trade, they had a spot 
for Wilson. So not only was he going there, but he was going to have a role. Um, So, you know, that's a win-win for both situations. We get a pick. He gets to go in and go and, you know, put some more good tape out there in a contract year. So, I mean, that's one of those rare and, you know, everybody wins situations. So it, it was, it was good. Um, it, it, I'm glad. And I'm sure, you know, again, one of the things people say about Kyle, you know, like him or not, his players say that he is a straight shooter and that he's mm-hmm. not gonna, you know, he's not going to BS you. So I'm sure he was straight with Wilson that, you know, and Wilson is smart enough to see the writing on the wall, but I'm sure Kyle was like, you know, look, this is what it is. You know, you know, there's just not there are no reps yeah. here for you anymore. So, yeah, I, I would imagine after that, you know, if you have that conversation, yeah, I would request a trade too. And and, and my only worry here, understanding all that in the business of football, is Christian and Elijah both kind of injury prone. Yeah, and if something happens to one of them. Then who who slides up? Is it gonna be Mason? Is it gonna be uh Ty Davis Price? Is you know, because Coleman's on the practice squad, and so there, there's some maneuvering there, and there's gonna be an opportunity, but also this is a veteran team who wants to go, mm-hmm. you know, far. Are you gonna have to rely on a rookie who has no experience uh or or any reps really uh you know in big moments? That's that's my main worry about well, and, 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 and it's valid because in real time, we can see what the answer is. The answer is those dudes have not gotten reps when, yeah. you know, before Christian got here, it was Jeff Wilson and Debo, you know, and then, you know, Tevin getting reps. It yeah. was those guys did not, as we laymen thought, you know, those guys would, would be able to, you know, step into the breach and take, some of that weight but clearly Kyle is not comfortable with that so it's it's a it's a legitimate concern as we get further on down the road that if we were to lose one of them then is it just a fact that now Mitchell or CMC has to carry more of the load is it going to be Tevin Campbell is it going to be another veteran replacement level minimum contract player you know a marlon mack type guy who we bring in to take those reps or do we are we going to be forced to um you know rely on those two guys which, which seems like from what i've seen the little that we've seen of both of them they're really different kind of running backs than mitchell or yeah. cmc they're, they're not I don't know how much we'll ever get from it. Well, I won't say ever. That's a long time. And, but and this- the, the, the explanation that came out of the draft was that Kyle's, uh, the running backs that he's had have been smaller and a little bit brittle and they wanted bigger backs who wouldn't get hurt uh, as easily. And so that's, you know, they, they draft price cause he's, he's a bigger dude, but it's just, I don't, it doesn't, I don't know if the offense if suits him as well as it suits a guy who's a little bit more shifty. So, but well, I mean, it just—it seems I don't know. My thought was it—it it, those guys make a lot more sense to me 
with Trey at cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can do a bit more inside zone run and yeah. whatnot when, you know, you like it or not, if you if you have Trey as an option to be your outside guy running that inside stuff kind of makes more sense to me. Um, but again, that that is not an option anymore. So I again I don't know with Jimmy as quarterback how much those how much sense those guys make because I don't know what they're gonna give you in the run, I mean in the pass game. Um, if you lose a Mitchell or a CMC, you know, I think somebody like Tevin Coleman, he just makes sense because he, you know, he's a professional and yeah. he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna give you a bunch of big plays, but he's not gonna kill you. He can pass protect in a he, pinch, in, he's not gonna make a mistake no, a rookie not, he, would make. Right. So I would think that if one of those two guys go down, he's going to plug in and you know, that's what it's going to be. I think those guys will be beneficial on down the road. I don't, I don't know how much they're going to give us this season. All right. Well, uh, that is it for us here on this show. We will be back after the game on Sunday night against the chargers. It's a big one. It's a good opportunity to showcase. I'm sure NBC is going to be all over Christian showcasing him like crazy in this game. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so Rod and I will be back and, and we'll recap that game after uh, Sunday night football. So uh, for Rod, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace. This is BJ Kissel from KC Sports Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as our shows, are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they work together. It's something we've actually done locally with our network in Kansas City as well. We're all stronger together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.